Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Push Podcast. This is episode number 36. Uh, I've got a treat for you guys today. So this is a special edition of the Push Podcast. Uh, and let me give you a little context of why what makes this so special. Uh, so we did a 30-day challenge um, recently that was amazing. We had nearly 300 people go through this challenge. And through this challenge, we wanted to make sure that we did everything we could to just pour into people, just provide valuable information, uh, skills, strategies, techniques, things that we knew that whether you owned a business or you didn't own a business, you're a career person, you would be able to look at these things and and really apply them to your life and make things better for you, especially during a time where many of us have more time on our hands than we would probably would like, um, so to speak. So I wanted to make sure that we shared some of that. And through this 30-day challenge, we did about 10 calls. Um, some of them were business-specific related calls, and some of them were just kind of personal development, things that you can uh, focus on and work on. And we felt that we wanted to make sure that we shared that with everyone. So you're, you're getting a little bit of insight to our pusher community. And so that you know, we do have a membership site where it's called the Pusher Society. And in, in this group, we do book club, we do live conversations, we do calls, every month where you can jump on and we have prepared information, skills, trainings, coachings that we do um, that we are super excited about. And this community is constantly growing and we want to invite you to this community. So what you're going to get is a little bit of insight of what happens in the pusher society. Uh, this is one of the calls that we had in our 30-day challenge. This particular call, we discussed eight critical skills that you must learn now. And the reason why they're so important is because in life, and you'll hear me talk about this in the call, we learn passively most of the time. There's very rarely do we intentionally go out improve on something or learn a skill. And I am always in admiration for those individuals that um, go and learn a, a foreign language or they learn how to play an instrument. And I think that you can see with that is evidence that when you see their skills progress and they get better and they're able to put together an entire song, it's a pretty special thing. And so um, we, um, in this particular call talk about some key skills. And I know that it's important right now because many of you are out there that your your job maybe have let you go, or maybe you're furloughed, or maybe you're reconsidering going back to that career. Maybe you're thinking about starting a business. Uh, if you focus on any of these eight critical skills, you'll be able to accomplish anything and you'll be able to get that started. So we wanted to make sure that we didn't keep this call a secret, that we shared it with all of you and you got an opportunity to take advantage of something that we do in our private groups. And so this is a call. So you may hear us reference a couple of people on the on the Zoom call that we're on but you could just pretend that it's you. And we are basically having a conversation. So uh, the audio quality is not the same as you would normally get from our Push podcast, but I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy this. And please take notes. So get a pen, paper, iPad, whatever you have, your phone, whatever. Take out notes and go apply some of these skills. I'm sure that you will find that it's very beneficial. So I hope you enjoy and talk to you soon. Push through. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. 
I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of this. the stuff. <laughs> so if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. So I just want to challenge you. What are you in pursuit of? Why? Growth is one of the most important things that's going to make you feel like you're coming alive. And we should always be in pursuit of something, right? We want our kids to be learning. We want, we say silly things to our kids. Like if you knew your schoolwork, like you knew those songs, then you'd be a great student, right? I don't think people say that anymore. Well, I know my mom used to say that. (laughs) If you spend as much time on your schoolwork as you did TikTok, whatever it is. So I just want to challenge you. What are you in pursuit of, right? Because if you're in pursuit of it, if you're in pursuit of it, that means that there's a focus on that, right? So if you're in pursuit of personal development, I'm in pursuit of uh, self-awareness, then I'm in pursuit of trying to be better then the journal is a great tool for that. If you're in pursuit of trying to obtain a degree, then you know that there's a certain amount of study time that you're dedicating every day. So I guess what I'm trying to say is during this time, during every time going forward for the rest of your life, I just want to know what are you in pursuit of? Here's another one. What are you saving for? What are you looking forward to? I used to work, um, I had an employee. He was a manager for me when I worked for Circuit City. He was a lot older than me, but I learned so much from him and I was his boss. And so this man, his name was John Hensel, one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. And uh, I just learned so much from him. So I don't think he ever made more than maybe $40,000 a year. And yet he traveled all over the world with his wife. Uh, He brought in a sack lunch every day, excited to save money because Every single day, he knew that he was saving for this trip, this amazing trip, whether they were going on a two-week cruise to Alaska, this is what he was going to look forward to every single day for an entire year. And I just thought that that was such an amazing thing, right? And so every day, it was like a reminder. You know, I'd say, hey, do you want to go grab some lunch at Chick-fil-A? He's like, girl, no, I'm saving for Alaska. Come on. And so I just thought it was a really good practice. So I just want to ask you, what are you saving for? And if you're not saving for something, what are you looking forward to? And I think it... it, it And don't say this weekend I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. No, but what's something big that you can be excited for? And I think the two questions you ask are very much connected because the pursuit will will force you to make the sacrifices. In mm-hmm. some cases, it may not feel like a sacrifice. It may feel like in John, yeah, you're excited about the opportunity to save the opportunity to say no to Chick Fil A so that you can save that money. Um, and I know that one of the things that people struggle with, I even myself, is 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 delayed gratification. Is like seeing something from afar, saying, "Hey, we're going to do this in six months." but we're going to work at it and we're going to save for it and we're going to do it in six months. It's not a common practice. I wasn't born with, I wasn't raised with that practice. It was like, here's the money now, do it now. Mm -hmm. Right. Here's, here's the opportunity now, do it now. And that delayed gratification, I think is something that we all should practice and be in pursuit of saying, let's put something out there that, Hey, in six months, we're going to accomplish this. We're going to do this thing. We're going to save for this thing, whatever it is. 
Uh, or maybe it's, hey, we're going to do, in six months, we're going to do a Toastmasters. And so for the next six months, I'm going to work on my presentation skills. I'm going to learn how to speak in public, and then I'm going to go in front of people, and I'm going to do a speech. Well, okay, so someone said weight loss. I'm in pursuit of weight loss. Well, what if you set a goal six months from now, and you knew that you were going to have like a coming out party and... I don't know, you were going to take a picture like a before and after transformation, right? You would be in pursuit of that and you would have to publicly like hold yourself accountable for that. Yeah. So if I said, hey, you want to go grab some Taco Bell today? You're like, girl, no. Don't you know on September 6th, I've got a coming out party and I, I've got to like take a transformation party. The point I'm trying to make to you is you need to have something that your eyes and your mind are set on so that you can be in pursuit of it, right? And and I just want to tell you, like this man, John Hensel, I'm going to start crying in a second, but he taught me that you don't need a lot. You just need to have some sort of goal. You need to have some sort of excitement that you create in your own life, regardless of your circumstance, regardless. This man had cancer six times in his life. He, he wound up dying of prostate cancer. And up until the last breath that he took, you guys, he was like, I'm going to beat this. What are you talking about? Like I have we're planning for Australia. We're planning for this. Like he still had plans. And so it was always never a question of what he was working towards. So I guess that's the question I'm posing to you. What are you working towards? So I love this, Helen. I'm going to call you our star student today. She said, I'm in pursuit of finding control of my thoughts and my emotions. I love the journaling. It's helped me become aware of my emotions and what I can do to switch the negative thought and emotion to a positive one. Love that. Super proud of you, Helen. Yeah. And I so. think those are things that you have to be conscious of forever. You know, it's, it won't be one of those things where there's a finish line. Although there may be some things that you may say today that, hey, there's going to be a finish line for this. But, you know, I think that when you talk about your emotions, you talk about your thoughts, you talk about... Um, journaling and practicing different things those are like forever things those are mm -hmm. like things that i'm going to build this muscle now so that and i know that some i think amy put on there that it's not a priority so that i don't even have to put it on a list it's just something i do right right and i think that that is always the struggle when it comes to journals and when it comes to daily practices is that we give up on them because we want them to be automatic before they actually become automatic right and so we, you know, whether it be exercising or praying or meditation, and we're like, oh, it feels like this, it. yeah, you, it feels like this thing you got to go do. But yeah, that, I call it kind of one of those things where you have to force function. You got to do it forcefully in, for the first, you know, 30 days or so. And before you know it, it's just automatic. Right. Like it's just part of what you do. You don't even think about it. It's not a list thing. It's just a thing that you have to do because it's part of who you are. So here's a question. I know that all of you on this call have some sort of success that you can be proud of. But if I were to be having a conversation with you and I said, my God, you know, you've been so successful. Talk to me about like your daily routine. Talk to me. Do you have a morning routine? What do you do to stay in practice or in pursuit of success? What, what are your, what are your daily rituals, your daily practices? Just think about it. Would you say, Oh shit, I don't really have any. I just kind of hope to wake up in a good mood. You know, I, I'm a really positive person, you know, I, I'm great with people. So think about how you would answer that. And it's just a question I'm just posing to you. Because if you wouldn't say something like, oh, you know, I spend 10 minutes every morning journaling so I can set intentions for the type of day that I want to have. 
And then I spend 10 minutes every night before I go to bed, you know, basking in gratitude and just being an appreciation for the things that have come my way, the people that have crossed my paths, um, all of the opportunities that I've had. And I just, I'm really in a good practice of gratitude and journaling and positivity and controlling my emotions. Well, you know, that would be great if you met someone and they said that, right? So I'm just kind of giving you some questions because I think you guys signed up, bless you. I think you signed up for this challenge to become better versions of yourself. And this, these are things that I think help us become better versions of ourselves. Like what are, what am I purposefully pursuing and committing to every day? What is my practice? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's super important. We're going to talk a little bit about um, skills that you can develop during this time because there's, there's time that many of us have that we didn't have ever before. Um, but I think the routine and practice, like I can tell you, there's two things I do every single day, right? Um, I read the Bible for me, and I also read uh, a book called Meditations every single day. I read small scriptures in both of those things, and they just kind of set my mindset to where it needs to be. Um, it's just something I, I've done, and I've, now it's been you know a couple years now that I've done that, and it's just... It's on my phone. It's easy to do. Uh, I, uh, and I get into a place of gratitude. And usually my gratitude happens, and it gets me emotional when I'm working out. So, like, I'm done with the workout. Like, I think about the fact that I was able to do it without something really, really painfully hurting me. Or I was able to give it all I had, and I wasn't, able, I wasn't stopping because of some physical ailment or whatever the case may be. And so that puts me into a really like deep emotional state of gratitude because of the fact that I'm like, God, there's people who can't do what I just did right now. Right. And if I make sure I stay grounded in that, then I will appreciate just the small thing, being able to get on the bike and and do an exercise or lift some weights. And right now I'm lifting, using bands to uh, exercise. Um, I get deeply into it. So it's not just like, Oh, I'm so thankful I was able to do that. No, like I get deep, like I can get to a borderline of actually being emotional because of that gratitude. And I think that that's a practice that you have to really start thinking about, like, how do I get there? Yeah. And I'm, I'm working on my prayer life. Like, I don't know. I think I can't pray at night before I go to bed because I'm tired and then my mind gets distracted and then I start making to-do lists and I feel like it's disrespectful to God. And, and I grab our like, hands, let's pray. Right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with that. Right. But it's something that I'm trying to be more aware of. And so these are just some questions I wanted to post to you. Um, hopefully you took down some notes and just some inventory of self-discovery of things that you might want to start pursuing, right? Yeah. And some of you have really good, like Catherine just shared, you know, I'm working from home. I'm up at 7.30. I get in a quick workout. I've got my toddler. We're doing it. Some of you are really, really great at structure. And that's perfect. Like you might be the perfect mom, perfect wife, you meal prep, you do all this stuff, but what are you doing for yourself? That's all the question is. It's like, what are you looking forward to? What is your alone time? What are you in practice of that feeds your soul, that keeps you grounded, that makes you focus on what you really want? Uh, And for me, it's to become a better person, to become more giving, to be more gracious, to have a greater reverence for life. And I feel like because I'm cautious or conscious of that every day, like I don't even recognize the Janelle from last year, right? So you have to be in pursuit of something. I'm, I'm very similar, 
but when it comes to like reactions, you know how you get Facebook reminders? I, I get Facebook reminders from like nine years ago and I'm like, I would never write anything like this now. Not that I ever wrote anything inappropriate, but like I wrote something not too long ago about like cutting people off because of their negativity. I mean, I don't like to be around people that are negative, but I don't really pride myself in cutting people off. That's just not a very graceful thing to do. So just, you know, I want you to be able to journal so that way you can also look back and say, wow, I don't even recognize this person. Yeah. I'm so proud of how far I've come. So there, that's how I wanted to start it. Done. <laughs> I allow myself two cups of coffee first, then onto the schedule. Well, you know, you got to do your thing, right? I am hypersensitive to caffeine. I'm just going to tell you, if I have one cup of coffee at any point during the day, <laughs> I will not sleep at night, no matter what time I consume it. So I have to be really careful with caffeine. Also, I like the taste of coffee. I drink it more for pleasure. But as I get older, I don't want to have to depend on and rely on coffee to wake me up. So I try to stay away from caffeine just because I know that, you know, yeah. it, it affects me. I don't have that same sensitivity. No, you drink a lot of coffee. I can drink a lot of coffee and I go right to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Snoring and all. Okay. That's not true. Um, <laughs> so back to, I want to make sure we go back to the pursuit thing because we're going to talk a little bit about some critical skills um, that I think that we all should learn. And I don't think you should all, you should learn it all at one time, but I think that it's important that, um, during this time, you really do some self-reflection on the skills and kind of the competencies. And what I mean by competencies is, is the soft skills that you possess right now that you want to pursue and refine and improve, or maybe in some cases create. Maybe you've never had a skill with that. And the reason why this is so important is because for many adults, um, we go through our formal education and then we just kind of like get into the workforce, we get into our career, and our career provides a certain level of learning because we're interacting with people or we interact with systems and processes and things like that, that help us build skills in a more passive nature. Meaning that it's just, we, in order for us to survive or in order for us to function, we have to learn these skills. And so what we want to talk a little bit about is what are those critical skills that you want to actually go out and pursue because of the fact that uh, it's so important to, whether it be changing your course of your career, we talked yesterday on a podcast about pivoting, right? Is, you know, sometimes you got to make an adjustment. Maybe the foundation is the same, but that adjustment you make clears a path and all of a sudden now you've got things rolling and you've got some momentum in your life. Uh, or maybe you need to build this skill because you need to just redefine <laughs> yourself you need to recreate. Maybe the career you once have is done and now you need a new skill to keep going um, to avoid being stuck and be, being paralyzed by the crisis that we're in right now from the pandemic. So we discussed like eight critical skills that you must learn now. And, and when I say now, it's not, you don't have to learn all eight now, but you need to look at one and say, okay, that's a skill that I've never purposefully in, with intention went out and set out to learn. So I want to start off the first one. Uh, and we talk about, a lot about this in Passion to Profit. Um, but the first one is how to sell yourself, the skill of persuasion, influence, presentation skills, and storytelling. And the reason why that's number one is because no matter what you're doing, no matter if you're in your own business or if you work for a company, you are constantly selling yourself. It, as a matter of fact, if you're just in a relationship with a person, you're constantly selling yourself. 
But what people don't realize is that the skill of influence is not a negative skill. It is the most positive skill that you can have. The world changes because of people that are influential, right? Influence is different than manipulation, just so we're clear. Yeah, and so (laughs) manipulation is something totally different. Influence is when you have the ability to say, hey, I have this message, I have this, this skill, I have whatever it is, and I want to communicate it to you in a way that influences your behavior and you see what I see. So it's a transfer of vision, it's a transfer of feeling, it's a transfer of emotion because of the fact that I am able to influence you. So for a, good, a great example is you look at some of the world leaders we've had, the Gandhis of the world, Martin Luther King of the world, Abraham Lincoln's, the one of the things that they could be horrible in a lot of things, but the one thing that they were great at is the ability to influence, the ability to communicate a story that captivates the heart, that gets people to listen, and that gets people to want to take on the charge themselves. So you might be thinking, okay, influence, Eddie, what the heck are you talking about? I'm not Abraham Lincoln or (laughs) Martin Luther King, but let me give you a couple of examples of influence. Um, For those of you that follow the Cake Mamas, we, uh, this week I got on, I did a live on Instagram and I said, hey, since 2014, I've had this idea to create this cream cheese company. It's called Spread the Love. And now more than ever, I think we need to spread love. So here's what I'm going to be doing I'm making this. This is what I'd like to happen. That's called influence when you're able to share a story that pulls on heartstrings, that conveys the value, conveys the mission, conveys the message, right? And it gets people thinking like, oh God, I want to be a part of that, right? So then we launched this product this week and it did really well. That's influence. So those of you that have businesses, That is influence, right? Figuring out how to tell a story that's tied to a mission that's there to serve people, right? If you don't have a business, let me show you another example of influence. Our daughter last year when she was getting all these college acceptance letters, she had eight acceptance letters. What a blessing, right? Some of them were Ivy League schools. Some of them were way out of our budget. It's my responsibility as a mother to influence her to not go into debt, to influence her to see the value and the benefits of taking advantage of scholarships and staying kind of local or whatever it may be. So if you're just a mom, I want to tell you, you have to develop your influential skills like nobody's business because we have our children for a very short time. Our, Our job, I believe, as a mother is to positively influence them and equip them with the skills that they need to then go out and influence other people in a good way, right? And so all of you are influencers. All of you have stories and communication that you should be working on. And that is how you sell yourself is through communication. Yeah. And a lot of it is about understanding the psyche of of communication. And what that means is, is a lot of times, especially with our kids and especially within relationships, we're, we're, we don't put ourselves in a position where we try to learn how to persuade or influence. We usually do it by force, right? And so through our communication with our spouses, we are, we're not trying to influence each other. We're just trying to get the other person to hear you, right? Or get the other person to say that you're right. Get the other person to say that you're right, right? And it, that's where we get arguments. And so when you talk about having the ability to influence, it's about understanding that even with a relationship or even with your kids, how do you prepare for that conversation? Do you get your thoughts in order? Are you succinct? Are you looking at it and saying, okay, what, is a, what do I need to communicate to this person 
and I know their voice, and I know what they understand, because everyone has a different way of listening. Everyone has a different thing, way of perceiving. Some people you have to speak to, like Janelle is all about vision, and so she has to see everything. So if I communicate and I say, hey, do you, we should go and do this and this, and I'm, I'm giving her all these ex- examples, but if I don't say, can you see us doing that? Or, you know, do you see it out, you know, do you see what I'm saying? Things like that, then she's like, I don't know what you're saying. Because I'll say, do you understand that? Or can you hear, I love how that sounds. And she's like, that doesn't sound anything. I see what you're saying, right? So she listens through vision, right? I hope that makes sense for you guys. So a lot of times we have people who, when they perceive or hear things, they do it through feeling. Some do it through sight, like Janelle. Some do it from hearing, like me. And some people are very analytical, where you have to be very specific in what you're saying. They, they, they're like mathematical equations. It has to make sense to them. So this is important, you guys, because if you are ever going to manage employees, if you're ever going to want to influence people below you that work for you, you're going to have to speak their language. Like lots of leaders, lots of parents... They are like, this is how I communicate. You need to deal with it. And then, you know, you realize that it's not effective at some point in your career or in your life. So we're giving you these uh, examples so that you can see and maybe recognize what is your communication like with everyone? Do you mm-hmm. communicate at the same level with everyone or are you trying to meet them where they're at, right? Each of our three children need to be communicated with different. I'll tell you that has been a challenge for me because my mom was very much like, get on my train or you can find another train to be on. Right. But this is how it's going to (laughs) work. And so for us, it's like, okay, well this is ineffective with this particular child. And it can seem very frustrating, but really for us to be great influencers, we've got to find different ways to communicate. I love. um, So like, for example, sometimes people will start to say, Hey, I know how you feel. And what we're talking about is hard but I need to really understand that this is what we need to do in order for this to work. Can you feel what I'm saying? Or like that is a feeling person. So how many people do you know, they start a sentence saying, I feel like we should do this. Oh gosh. One employee of mine comes to mind. She's 1000% full of feelings. So anytime I talk about a new initiative, a new product, I have to think about how is she going to feel through this? I'm telling you, I'm not a feelings person. This shit has to get done. It's got to get done. Here's how we're going to do it. I'll paint a picture so you can see it. See what I said? See it. I want you to see the big vision because I'm visual, but I have to really put my feelings hat on and it's very frustrating. I'm just going to tell you sometimes I'm like, there is no fucking feeling that should be attached to this. This is just what needs to be done. (laughs) Right? So I'm telling you, we're right here with you where this is something you have to be in pursuit of. I love what Catherine said really quick. She said, I don't have a business, but as a mom of one, a daughter, influence on processing her emotions at a young age is very important. I realize as an adult, not being able to process emotions well makes you uh, end up making smart decisions or non-smart decisions. Think about that. Like, I wonder often if my mom had the ability to learn half of what we've learned about psychology processing emotions like I would be unstoppable yeah probably not because I wouldn't have found it on my own right we're all on this perfect path but think about it like we have more knowledge about how we can process things that we get to now influence others share things whether it be with a sibling 
with your spouse, with a partner, with your children. Like think about how much influence you have to take everything that you've learned about life, your experiences, how much better you could impact and get through to the people that you love or the people that you manage or the people that you lead if you spent more time trying to meet them where they were. Yeah, and so what that means for this particular skill is that you have to be an excellent listener because the key thing to being a great presenter is the ability to hear and feel and understand what someone is saying so that when you go back to repeat something to them or when you go back to share something with them, you know the language in which they need to learn. So that's why in this particular conversation, if you notice, we are speaking in different ways so that the 50s or the 60 uh, uh, some out of you that are listening from a feeling standpoint, from a thinking, like, you know, you, you, you respond mostly, I don't think that that's right, or I think we should do this, right? You're very thoughtful when it comes to that. We want to make sure we're trying to touch on all of you so that you get it from a standpoint of which and how you interpret information. Some of you, when we say things, you go like this. Huh. And you start to look for it. Like you're envisioning it. You're imagining it. Right. That's me. Those are my people. Eddie's like, wait, can you say that again? I didn't, I don't know if I heard that right. I'm like, let me speak slowly <laughs> then. Right. Like things have to sound right for me. I have to choose the right words. For right. Eddie. So if she says something and I don't like how it sounds. It can make perfect sense to everybody in a room. But for me, I just didn't like how it sounds. Well, let me give you an example. And men and women, this will help you in your relationships. Women have a tendency to speak in absolutes. Well, this is what I mean. Can you take out the trash? You never take out the trash. I don't on like your how own. that sounds. Nope, <laughs> because it's not true. Eddie would hold on to the word never. Yep. Really? I took out the trash three weeks ago. That is the opposite of never. To me, I'm like the trash needs to be taken out every damn day. But if I say you never take the trash out, immediately he shuts me down because the word is inaccurate, which makes me a liar, right? So think about if you are speaking in absolutes or you are speaking in exaggeration, you, know, you, it, you barely ever do this. Really? I did it four months ago. Barely ever. What does that constitute as? Because to me, doing something three times a year is not barely ever, right? To me, it is. So what I'm trying to position for you is if you really want to have influence, you've got to understand if someone's holding on to your words, they have to be meaningful, right? So if you're using words to exaggerate your point, it could be a turnoff to people. And then they're like, okay, you're not really, I'm not taking you seriously now because you're exaggerating it to get your point across. Right. It's like when we first got married, I used to get out of the shower and she goes, you're getting water all over the floor. And I would look and go, it's no, not all over. It's just right there. It's not <laughs> And then I had to real. So, and here's the other part of that, as far as really good position presentation and, and, and selling skills, is I had to realize what she meant was not exactly what she was saying. What she was saying was, "Hey, this you're getting water on the floor," or what she said was, "You're getting water all over the floor." What she meant was, "Hey, you're getting water on the floor, and it's a problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> Try to do better, right?" All the ladies are like, oh, it drives me nuts. But, but it's a, and here's the thing. Can you put aside your ego to be effective? And, and that is the hardest thing for people to understand. Many of my conversations with people that disagree with me do not end up in an argument because I'm willing to put away my ego to be effective. I'm like, okay, I'm going to figure out and influence your communication skill, your communication receptors 
so that I am the most effective possible. I don't care if I have to get a point across. I'm like, I don't care about getting a point across. I care about, can we make this work? Is there a compromise that can be met? Can I get to, can I get to a place where I can influence how you're thinking about this? Because I think if we get on the same page, we can actually make something better, improve. So for those of you in relationships, can you put aside your ego to be effective? So I love this. Catherine Park says, I've been married for 20 years this upcoming September. Congratulations to you. I've learned that my husband is receptive to positive reinforcement. <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, Eddie and I joke about this all the time. I think all men are receptive to positive reinforcement. All men, right? So this has been an issue. Raise your hand if you agree. All men are receptive to positive, <laughs> even the guys. Yes. Okay. See? So we have learned something, you guys. All the ladies on here, you've learned There's this. nothing wrong with it. I can tell you <laughs> that it took me several years to learn this because in my dissatisfaction, the last thing I want to do is compliment you and give you something positive, right? Hey, you got fucking water all over the floor, but I want to let you know you took a hell of a shower. Like, I can't say something nice when you're pissing me off, right? And so it's been very difficult, but I will tell you, because we have worked on our communication, he has told me verbally, honey, when you want me to do something, just say something nice to me. Like, stroke my ego a little bit, like, you know, pacify me a little bit about something, and I'm like, how does that fucking work? Like, I don't understand. And I still don't get it, guys. But I understand that in order for us to get things actually hammered out and accomplished, I have got to be really nice to my husband and tell him. I told her it's biblical. God, <laughs> man is made in God's image. God wants praise. <laughs> so I will tell you, if you're struggling with your husband, all you got to do is like stroke his ego a little, tell him he's doing something great. <laughs> It's, it's really ridiculous. I, ha I need to learn, like, I need to read a book on the science of it, <laughs> but it's the only way that we can get through things. Like, I can be really upset and just say, I just want you to know I love you so much. Thank you so much for making dinner last night. Do you think you could blah, blah, blah? He's like, sure, no problem. <laughs> like that. Cuts off like an hour of talking. So, I mean, I don't know. You got to sell your soul to the devil sometimes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and you're, okay, so all that be said, here are a couple things you can do to work on your presentation skills. Um, Go one, quickly through these. Yeah, practice going live, right? So this is a new age. Go live. Um, share a story. Promote your business. Teach something that you, you have an expertise on, right? Do it. Be bad at it. Do it again. Suck at it. Suck at it again. Do it again. Do it again. Suck at it again. And then you can allow people to give you some uh, feedback, which is great. Learn how to organize your thoughts. Say what matters most. And what I mean by that is a lot of times people get on lives or they get conversations and they just ramble about things instead of being really succinct in what they're trying to say, right? Beginning, middle, end. Bring it all. Wrap it up. Um, kill the, the social redundancies. Um, so, you know, right, etc. We all have them. Try you to would never them. really know that you have them unless you do a live and you go back and listen to yourself. You're yeah, like, you said, um, 45,000 right, times. I said like after every third word. Like, you need to pay attention to the things that you're doing because no one's going to say, 
hey, by the way, I just want to let you know, you say like an awful lot. You should cut it maybe into a third. No yep. one's going to tell you that, right? So these are things that are going to help us get better. Sometimes you just have to pause instead of saying, um. So as you're com communicating, just pause, gather your thoughts, and then continue without saying um. um just like I just did right there. Mm -hmm. Be conscious of your body language and facial expressions. Don't be sitting there just talking like this or like be conscious of that. So your community, remember 80% of communication is nonverbal. So what your face is doing communicates far greater than what you actually are saying. How you stand, your body language, how you're positioning, right? Gives you confidence. You could be bl blabbering about anything, but if you look good saying it, people will listen to you. Just human nature, right? I have definitely <laughs> resting bitch face when I'm not trying to be pleasant, right? Just like I get caught in my thoughts and I just have like a very face. And if I just I automatically I smile because I just don't want people to look at me crazy. Right, but there are certain podcasters that I listen to that sound like they're speaking through a smile all the time. And I'm like, how, do you, how does one do that? Like, it's like, it perplexes me. I'm like, how do you sound like you're smiling all the time? It's like so exhausting. And I would need a massive amount of Botox if I did that. So just be aware of some of the things that you do and how it kind of comes across. Um, increase your vocabulary. And here's a great way to do that. When you read books, when you stumble across blogs, if you find a word that you go, what the hell does that mean? Write that word down, hand write it down, find the definition and hand write the definition. And each week, if you said, hey, here's three words, here's five words, just a small list and you know the definition, implement them into your communication at some point that week and just make it a part of your communication skills. Um, that is huge when you're trying to communicate because our thoughts are governed by our words. And when you increase your words, you increase your thoughts. And I hope you guys caught that That's because really a lot great. of times our frustrations are because we cannot find the words to describe how we feel. And so we do what children do and we just emote. We get upset, we get mad because I can't communicate the way I want to communicate because I don't have the words that, that I present that I need to possess for you to totally understand what I'm coming from. So the more words you have, the better your thoughts will be. And a lot of times people don't realize, I didn't realize that until I was like, wow, I'm in my 30s and I'm like, I need to increase my vocabulary because we would have conversations and I would say, I don't know how to communicate how I feel. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't possess the words. And so I went on a mission to increase my vocabulary because I knew that if I can communicate better, if I can find the words, then she would better understand <laughs> me. And if we have better understanding, then we have better harmony. And harmony is really big for me, right? So um, make sure that you, you do that in increasing your vocabulary. And the best thing to do is capture words and implement them immediately. Now that we've gone through number one, <laughs> we have eight of those things. <laughs> Yeah, okay. you're going to have to go faster. Okay, I'm going faster. Jeez, relax. Be nice. Say something nice. You're doing a great job, honey. Thank you. All right. Um, learn how to learn. Uh, there's a great book. If you want to read it, it's up to you. It's called Make It Stick. It's about adult learning. And adults learn uh, in a very interesting way, and it breaks down how you should learn. But the key thing is uh, there's a couple things you could do. So how many of you, raise your hand if you heard of the five-hour rule. Five-hour rule. So the five-hour rule is a rule that Oprah, Bill Gates, Obama, a lot of them uh, have made very, very popular. It is an hour of day dedicated to learning. Um, what they do is they, it's three things, reading, reflecting, 
and experimenting. So really kind of touching on what we talked about as far as vocabulary, uh, reading something, reflecting on it, and then in experimenting with it. Uh, and so as we're talking about pursuing things, this gets you really specific of saying, I'm going to spend an hour on focusing on something that's stretching me, that I have to learn, that I have to try to implement uh, and reflect on. And the key thing is re reiteration. If you read a book, a lot of times you read it and the information just kind of gets stored away in your subconscious mind. You never get to use it. The key is, is finding it when you read a chapter, finding a way to implement something in that chapter or writing it down a summary in your own words. It could be three sentences and say, hey, I'm just going to write this down and it starts to put it into your muscles so that you can actually use it. Uh, practice key, uh, practice these key skill learning. So remember it, understand it, connect it to other things in your mind. So what I mean by that is a lot of times we learn like about a word association. Yeah. So a word association, are you reading about the solar system and you're trying to remember it because you just love space and you want to, you say, okay, well, I also, when I'm cleaning the house, this reminds me of Mars, Mars because <laughs> Mars is very dusty, dusty Mars right? Mars is the third planet, I believe. I have no clue. <laughs> I, and how would I know that? Jason Murray knows that. It's the fourth. Fourth planet. There you go. Jeez. Oh. That's amazing. That's like, I would phone a friend. I'm calling Jason. Yeah. And, uh, and Pluto Kelly, is now a, a, a mini planet. Kelly says that she and her husband love to talk about what they're both reading. I, I learned that. a lot about his books through him and often end up reading them because they sound so good. That's awesome. Eddie and I do that a lot. We do that with a church service, something we saw on YouTube, a TED Talk, whatever. And then I'm like, where is it? How come you didn't send it to me? That sounds really good. And we often share things back and forth. So Yeah, and one of the really things that is important to me is I like to read things that like, I can implement in a weird way that work into what we do here, what I do for work, all those different things. And so I like to try to optimize and try to say, oh, how do I... I just read about something in history. How do I implement that into what I do now? What's the lesson there? Uh, and that's how you get really, really profound things from history, from all kinds of things that, you know, you heard of the word polymath. That's how those people get really, really smart. So you have the Bill Gates that can go from creating software to helping us with the pandemic. It's because he's taking, he's synthesizing information from one aspect and putting it into another. Uh, and if we did that more often, God, we'd be really, really smart. Yeah, Eddie wants to be a polymath so bad, you guys. Like during Black History Month, he was like quizzing random people. So uh, what have you done to learn about, what have you done to celebrate Black History Month this month? I'm like, <laughs> what kind of question is that? Like people don't ask questions like that. But all he wanted to do was share what he had learned. <laughs> and so he wanted you to ask him. See, this goes back to men really crave significance, right? And he just wants to feel special and smart and he wants to be a polymath and we love him. So yesterday, really that quick, you wrong. guys, Jordan and I were kind of giving him a hard time. This is our everyday life. And he goes, you know, the sucky thing about living in a house with all women, you guys never give me a goddamn break. Like you're always up my ass about something. I'm like, get used to it, babe. <laughs> so. um, okay. And then the last thing I would say is, is take, so as you practicing on learning how to learn, Take information that you learn and find ways that you can quickly implement it in ways to make money. So whether it be your career or your business, if you learn something, how do you make it monetize it? Because knowledge compounds greater than money does. And so when you compound knowledge and information 
and you put it into into a, a practical uh, play as far as in your business in your life, man, can it really give you some exponential growth? The key is is, is taking that and, and putting it into your into work. So, like maybe let's just take it down a notch. Like if you were to listen to a, a Dave Ramsey podcast, there's so many financial podcasts out there. Let's just say money's kind of tough right now. You're struggling financially. You weren't aware that this pandemic is going to set you back financially, right? Maybe you should go on to Apple, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast, and you should find a financial podcast. So I found one. I, I got to let you guys know. I'll let you know in the Facebook group what, what the name is. But it was this really great episode about how this guy that hosts this financial podcast, if he were to be a minimum wage worker at Walmart, how he would become a millionaire in 10 years. And I took, I got to tell you, I've listened to it three times. I took so many notes and it helps me teach my children the value of money. It helps me when my employees ask me for a raise. And like, I, I'll be honest with you, some of my employees this year pulled the whole, well, you know, I'm going to be 30 this year and I want to buy a house and I want to have medical insurance and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, I got to be honest with you. It sounds like you've outgrown my small business. Because now you need a career and you need to expand your ability to make greater money, right? So I want you to know that if we're talking about taking something, at learning about it, and then figuring out how to tie it to money, one of the great things you can do is learn about money, learn about investments, learn about uh, what to do with the money that you do have, put that into practice and watch it multiply. Yeah. And so that's number three <clears throat> is uh, learn how money works. Um, I stole your thunder. Sorry. No, no, you didn't stole my thunder. It was a great segue. Um, investments, savings, retirement, handling debt, especially like what are you learning from this crisis about your money? Can right? I give you my favorite book about money of all time? You want it? If you go download the audio book, uh, I'm going to tell you, get through the first 16 minutes because it's kind of starts off. You're like, what the hell? Why'd she prescribe this? I don't know. She led me astray. It's written in 1916, so just bear with the language, but you'll totally get it, I swear. It's The Richest Man in Babylon. It's the best money book you'll ever listen to in your life. Yes, Kelly has it. She just held it up for you guys. The Richest Man in Babylon. It's one of the greatest books. I, I highly recommend if you have teenagers, you got to have these conversations with them. It's an outstanding book. Um, another book I love <laughs> Let is, me find the podcast that's helped me a lot is I Will Teach You How to Be Rich uh, by Ramit Sethi. It is a very, very new age book. He incorporates a lot of technology uh, that is helpful for me, where you can create creating automation for savings, automation for investments, and automation for uh, if, if you have debt, paying off debt, things like that. Uh, it is I Will Teach You How to Be Rich. Very, very easy read, quick, Great examples and the graphics, so you don't want to get the audio version of it. You actually want to get the book because he's got. I mean, like for example, and I'll just give you some, like we used to be banked with Bank of America and Wells Fargo for a very long time. I fired them as soon as I read, read that book. Um, I moved all of our money to Charles Schwab. It's a high yield uh, savings uh, checking account, and I moved our savings to Marcus, uh, which is Marcus is not J.P. Morgan. It's um, forgot, but it's Marcus and it's almost, it's at 1.7% for savings. 
Bank of America and Wells Fargo, they charge you more than the interest they actually provide. <laughs> so one of the quick things that was just like quick done and I was out of there and it just changed everything. What was the name, Eddie? Oh, it was, um, I will teach you how to be rich. So the name of the podcast is called Radical for Personal Finance. Let me see if I can put the link in there for you. So Radical Personal Finance is the name of the podcast, you guys. And the title of this episode is my plan for how I would become a millionaire with a minimum wage job at Walmart. It's so good. It's episode number 43. And that is a good one. it was just so fantastic. He said, here's the thing. If I made minimum wage, uh, I would need somewhere to live. And you know, everyone thinks they need an apartment. I can't afford an apartment on minimum wage. So what do I do? I go to Craigslist. I look in the newspaper and I go rent a room from someone. I have three options. These are the rooms that I can afford within my budget. He goes, I can't afford a cell phone. I can't afford internet. I can't afford these things. So people think that these are privileges or like luxuries you have to have, but really if you can't afford them, you shouldn't be having them, right? So he really just peels back down to the basics and he's like, so here's what I would do if I couldn't afford internet. The the library has free internet every single day. I know the hours, right? I would want to work these hours at Walmart so I could take advantage of taking free classes and using the free internet at the library during these hours. So he basically says in order for me to improve my skills, I've got to educate myself. I've got to continue to learn in order for me to pay my bills and put food on the table. I've got to make money. So here's how I would juggle both. He goes, that leaves me with very little time to do nothing. And usually the little time to do nothing is what gets people in trouble. Then you start saying, well, I want to go out. Like, let's go eat. I want to hang out with friends that costs money, right? Want to go to the movies that costs money. He goes, when you're broke, you need to be focusing on improving your skills and filling up as much of your time as possible so that you're not spending money with your homies and doing things that you have no business doing in the first place. <laughs> But it was so like, yeah. oh my God, like this is true. He goes, I wouldn't have money for a car. I, I don't even know if I could afford a bus pass. So I found a used bike on Craigslist. I bought it and I chose to work at the Walmart that was within three miles from the room that I rented out. The library was three blocks away. And he kind of just, and I was like, yes, you can make this work, right? And he committed to putting 10% of his savings away. Uh, of his earnings away, but also that the great thing about Walmart was they did a 401k. So he found out what's the max contribution that they will match. And he took that and lived on even less. And so he tells you through this whole podcast, how to go through like managing your money down to the bare basics. It was fantastic. I highly recommend it. Radical personal finances. Awesome. So the next one, number four is learn how to write effectively. We've all read something that has spoke to us at some point. Uh, it felt like the words are falling off the page. Um, and our brains were just like, oh my God, this is, this is so amazing. And so writing effectively is so important when it comes to email, social media posts, letters. Maybe you want to write a book. Maybe you have a blog. You know uh, how personal you journals. The freaking journal. <laughs> start writing your emotions and your thoughts in your freaking journal. That would help you practice writing every day, right? Right. And you can also take like the, the actual vocabulary words that you've been working on, implement them into the writing that you've been doing. Uh, but reading, absolutely, reading helps your writing. It, it has helped me tremendously. 
but writing effectively, communicating what you're trying to say in whatever message you're trying to say it is perfect because when we talked about number one was selling yourself. If you can write effectively, you can write, you can sell yourself through your writing, increasing your vocabulary. All those things are part of communication skills. Uh, and a lot of times we just don't spend a lot of purposeful time at writing effectively. And so I will tell you, if you're a business owner, we call it creative copy. I've talked to a lot of my students about this for a lengthy period of time. When you have a product that you want to sell, yes, you need to be influential, but it really comes down to your creative writing and how you can come up with clever copy to get them to want to buy whatever it is you're communicating. So I can't stress enough. Um, that doesn't mean you have to go out and take a class at you know a local community college, but I would just start Googling like copywriting because when you are putting a social media post together, that's called copywriting. When you're trying to send an email to uh, solicit a company to get a job, you want to be an interviewee, you want to be a candidate for a position, that's copywriting. You are writing a letter with intent, hoping that you'll get a great outcome, and you've got to figure out how to sit down and uh, be really exceptional about that. Next uh, one. The next one is learn You're how not going to like it. Learn how to meditate. Why? Meditating's for yoga gurus. No. Just kidding. <laughs> kidding. Meditation's for everybody, right? So learning, learning how to quiet your thoughts, learning how to focus. Remember we talked about a wandering mind is a lazy mind, right? R learning how to stay, to be still and learning how to control your emotions. I heard it helps you age backwards. I'm here for all of that. So here's the thing. I would recommend if you have never meditated before, start with a guided meditation. If you go to YouTube and you type in guided meditation, it'll come up. Do you want a guided meditation for positivity? Do you want a guided meditation for anxiety? Do you want a guided meditation to quiet your thoughts? So kind of start selecting some of those. But if you gave yourself a 10 minute guided meditation in the morning before you started your day, it would be a really great you way for you to start. Guys, I get sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> so there are guided meditations for sleep too. When I can't sleep and I have insomnia, I definitely do those. This guy's name is Michael Seeley. He just puts me straight to bed. There's, a, there's an idea called diffused thinking. So diffused thinking is when you're thinking about something, typically like we're trying to figure out a problem. Right. We're trying to figure out a problem with our finances. We're trying to figure out a problem with our business. We're trying to figure out a problem with our, 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 our career. And we've, we basically are focused so much on it that a lot of times we don't get to that creative side of our brain. And diffuse thinking happens when you let go. So there are a lot of literature biographies that talk about like Thomas Edison, one of the, the greatest inventors of all time. He used to have these uh, little balls that he would just sit back and he would rotate the balls in your, his hand and really just forget about everything and let go. It was a sense of meditation. And that's what, when he was done with that, it was very purposeful. When he was done with that, all of a sudden ideas came flooding down to solve the problem. So a lot of times for those that say, God, it's hard to do meditation. Yes, it's hard until it's not. Do you know, I talked to a guy, a friend that owns a business the other day, and he's like all stressed out with the stuff. And he goes, you know what I do during times like this? I sleep a lot because a lot of times I give my problems to my sleep. And then in my sleep, in my dreams, I'm able to solve them and figure things out. He goes, so it's a really good tactic for me. And I thought that was really amazing that he said that. He said, in a time of uncertainty, I have to sleep a lot because my problems 
will come to me and solve themselves in the, in mm-hmm. their dreams. I thought that was great, yeah, absolutely. but I'll tell you, I'm the opposite. Like when I have things going on in my head, I have to stay up to solve them, which is not true, but my brain and my anxiety thinks that I need to be the one to solve it, right? So then I have to work on my prayer life because to me, I'm all about release and surrender. Like I've done what I can here. Now I'm releasing it. I'm surrendering it. I know that it will work out. I have to let it go. So for me, it's very much like if if you were to see, because remember I'm visual, it's me like this, like just letting it go, letting it go. I have to let it go. He just dreams and the answers come to him. Yeah. I thought that was really cool though. What, so what, know what is, works for you. Is your subconscious mind yep. will start to play a big part in solving the problems because a lot of times our stress and our anxiety, it causes restriction. And just like the body, when you have restriction, you have reduced blood flow, you have reduced everything. And so when you let go, you will allow the abundance to kind of rush and you're able to figure things out at a higher aptitude. So meditation for those, I will tell you this, I'm going to just course correct. Don't try meditation. Just go and do it. And don't judge yourself. Just do it. Because when you say you're going to try it, you're going to go, this is not working. You're going to just give up, right? You actually have to like do it for 30, 45 days and just do the meditation. I don't care if it's five minutes. I don't care if it's, if it's three minutes. Do some type of meditation, build on it, stack the performance of your meditation to get to a place where you know what? You can meditate at any time. You can, I mean, I have tried everything. I have done hypnotic meditation. I have done Win Hof meditation. Uh, I have tried, I am like a lab rat when it comes to meditation. Eddie has tried hypnotherapy, like hypnosis. Do you know he bought a book, you guys, on how to hypnotize people and he hypnotized like four of the kids at Kayla's 13th birthday sleepover. And I was like, this is not good. You cannot hip. He just, he was so excited. He got this book and he's like, all right, who wants to get hypnotized? They thought it was like a fun thing for school. So they raised their hands. They're all standing there. And I'm like, oh my God, watching them slip into meditation or into hypnosis. And I'm like, this isn't good. This isn't good. They're going to go home and tell their kids that Kayla's, (laughs) their parents that Kayla's dad hypnotized them. So yeah, we've tried a lot of this stuff. Eddie takes it a little far sometimes, but I hypnotized someone. I don't even know yeah. the person was who came to visit our house one time. <laughs> he hypnotized her. She fell straight backwards, and we had to catch her. It's pretty funny. Anyways, go to the uh, next one. Ouija board. The next one, uh, and this is kind of a curveball. Learn how to negotiate. This all kind of ties together. If you can be influential, persuasive, you're a good communicator. You're a good writer. You've got great copy. You can just basically manipulate the whole world, right? It's not manipulate the I know, world. I'm kidding. It's a but joke. It, Want to see if you're paying attention. No, negotiation is an isolated skill set that you have to work on. Um, yes, you can you can persuade people, but the key thing about influence is influencing people. People have to want to be influenced by you. That's the key thing. So, for example, like med- like hypnotizing people. In order for it to be effective, you have to want to be hypnotized. I can't hypnotize you if you don't want to, right? But I found ways around that too. I'm just joking. Can I say um, this really quick? I want to just digress a second. Yeah. Andrea Soto said, I set my timer daily for 316 on my phone. It represents John 316. It quiets. It's a time that reminds me to quiet my mind, pray for grace, and uh, being grateful. It's helped with the anxiety. I love that, Andrea. Thanks That's for awesome. sharing that. Uh, I don't know what was. Say it again, what you oh, said. Negotiation. Uh, yeah, negotiation. So learn how to ask for anything. Learn how to create compromises and within relationships. Learn how to convince someone to hire you or to hire your business. 
uh, how to handle conflicts. So a lot of times people think, and I see this all the time, people think you handle conflicts with force. No, you handle conflicts with the negotiation skills, understanding what other person, other person values, what they want, and finding out a way to get them to understand what you want and make a, a, either a compromise or to recede and say, oh, wow, I think I want what you want. And how do you get people to share that? That is a skill. So for my business owners out there, for my married people out there, negotiation and the effectiveness of your ability to do that is amazing. I'll give you this if you give me this. Well, it's, it, sometimes you, sometimes it, that's, a, that's like, hey, give me this. Give me, that's a negotiation. Yeah. But sometimes it's about how do I get this person to want what I want? Right? That's an interesting concept. How do I get this person to want what I, I want? That's a skill. I think that could be scary though. Like, because uh, there's a couple friends that I have on here that are in different places with their husbands, right? Mm -hmm. Like, your husband's idea of a perfect marriage is here, and your idea of a perfect marriage is here. So, if you spent your every waking moment trying to negotiate with him to get him to see your perspective, that could be. Yeah, but the key thing is understanding what his perspective is and what he wants. Right. So a lot of times we always, when people ask, hey, what do you want? You give a superficial answer. And then you ask, why do you want that? And they go deeper and they go deeper. And what you find out when you get past all the bullshit is you get to a place where you probably want the same things. Yeah. You just go about getting it a different way. And or you, you label can, it a different you thing. You label it a different thing. Your vocabulary is different. So you Absolutely. explain it differently. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, this is just if you want to read it. It's, I loved it. A great book for negotiation is Never Split the Difference. In that book, I learned about calibrating questions. So in negotiation, so it's about relationships, but he's a former FBI and hostage negotiator. And if you think about a hostage, I want to be a hostage, a hostage negotiator, negotiator, in relationships, you hold something hostage. You hold something of hostage, whether sex. your love, your sex, um, whatever it is, you're holding something hostage and somebody else wants it, right, in the relationship. So whether it's love, right, you're not showing that person love. They just want love for you. And so you get this conflict, you butt heads all the time. You want someone's time. They have the time. They, they not, they're not giving it to you. So there's always a hostage yeah. involved with, when it comes to relationships. So just make a little note for yourself. What do you hold hostage from the people that love you? That's tough, right? Because there's something that you hold. This is a book. Never split the difference. You can see I marked that one all up. But you learn never to say why in a relationship. What do you mean? So if someone says, say something, anything. Um, I can't like, think of an example. Like, um, I know, like something bad. Like you never take out the trash. Like, why would you say that? Oh, you're like, so you're challenging right. me on everything. Anytime, so the hostage negotiators never say why, because if I say why, I have to defend my position yeah, one. Yeah, and, get and angrier. I, as I'm defending my position, I'm deepening my, my ground in that. Yeah. So that means I'm not going to move because now I'm being challenged and my ego has been um, attacked. And now if, if I have to explain myself, now you've gotten to a place where I'm not going to budge. Well, think about it. If it's a hostage situation, right? Why are you I holding said, people hostage? Why are you? Yeah. And then you think of all these deep-rooted things. Right. And now, because I was such and such as a child, and I the, and I deserve, and I demand. No all you're doing is grounding them further in their cause, right? Right. Think about what a stupid question that is to ask. Like, why? Why are you doing this? I'm doing this because you fucking piss me off, right? Right. So don't ask your spouses, why are you doing this? 
Oh, that's a bad question. It's a bad question. So that's why in, in, when you talk about like if, relationships. If, if I'm mad at you and I say, why do you always have to piss me off? That doesn't make anything <laughs> better, right? Ever. Think about it. I'm trying to think of an example when why would be good, and I don't think that there is one. Yeah, why is never good. In, in any type of conflict, why is never a great, ask and a great question to ask. Yeah. It's always what and how. Yeah. How did we get here? What about this is so important to you? I really want to better understand. Mm -hmm. And so if you're able to calm yourself down because you've been meditating and you've got a really good control <laughs> of your emotions, that's why we go in order, uh, and you get to a place where you say, what? What is upsetting you? What so is upsetting about, about this? And how did that happen? How did that get there? Because here's the thing. How did what, we get this far? Yeah, um, how what makes you, this? right, it's a different way of positioning the statement. How makes you try, the person has to pull it apart. So let me sh give you an example. We're arguing, I'm, I want to argue with you about something because you pissed me off and I go, why do you do this all the time? I do it because right. you do this and this and this okay. and this and that, right? And now I'm upset and I go, honey, how can I get you to understand how important this is to me? And now I have to solve her problem. You see? You see how that works? Right. Or if I say, you know, I'm, I'm really frustrated, but how did we get to this? Like, how did, how did this come to this? I really don't want to be And now my you. brain immediately searches what can we do for rational reasons of figuring out the problem. Two simple words. They're called calibrated questions. What and how. Is that good? Raise your hand if you got that. That's good. So don't say why in the middle of a conflict anymore. Why? Now I have to defend myself. Now I'm like, I'm on the, I'm on the stand. Now I got, if I defend myself, to, hey, good luck trying to change my mind right. now. Right? Think about it. Anytime someone has asked you, why did you choose to do that, Kelly? You're like, well, I'm, let me tell you. Right? And you've got a list of all these facts because obviously you don't make stupid decisions. Right? So you've got to defend yourself. Why puts you in a defensive stance? Yes. So don't ever ask the question why. I think that should be removed. Yeah. And then and now that I'm in a defensive stance, convincing me otherwise after I've just now had to defend myself is just a lose-lose situation. Yeah. It's just and not gonna asking happen. why also sends the message of blame, yep. right? Like, why do you think Why this, did you do that? Yeah. Why would you think this is a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no one's going to say, well, I didn't think it was a good idea. Actually, I know it was very stupid. Like, no one's going to take responsibility if you ask them a question like that, mm -hmm. right? I asked the kids that, though. Why would you think this was a good idea to put this here? It's just me being an ass because I, I want them to know that that was really <laughs> stupid shit, what they did. Yeah, because you're, really, you're, you're not really asking the question. You're pointing out your... Yeah. your what you did wrong. Which they, what the person did wrong. Yeah. And so this all is so important. It says, is this... Is this is it from a book? What's the name of the book again? Show yeah. Never split the difference. Never split the difference. I like negotiating. Stupid, stupid. Um, all right. So negotiating. So that's one. Uh, one of the things that people don't realize is when you really get good at negotiating, it improves your confidence. Um, because you get to a place where you go, hey, I was able to get what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And if I'm able to get what I want in life, wow, does that make me feel good? Right. And sometimes, are you going to have to give? Absolutely. Is, is part of in, influencing a negotiation about, I'm going to have to give up something that I thought was important in order to get something greater? Let me tell Probably. you how I grew my business from nothing. In the beginning, all I did was negotiate and barter. 
So I would be testing recipes, whatever, right? And I'd call up some friends and I'd be like, hey, I've got some extra such and such cupcakes. I was thinking that your family might like to, um, you know, taste them, give me some feedback, let me know what you think. No one says no to cupcakes and baked goods, right? So then I'd offer to deliver them for free. This is what I would say every single time. All I ask of, it, of you in exchange for, you know, these free goodies is that you post it on Facebook, you tag the cake mamas, and you just let them know that I did something to brighten your day today. That's all I ask. This is how I grew my social media following because I was always willing to give, but I was very clear on what the ask was in exchange. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not manipulation because I'm offering something but I also have to get something in exchange because I'm asking you as a friend to help me grow my business. It's different if I say, hey, Kim, you know, you guys want some free cupcakes and then I give them to you and I'm like, but do you think you could send all of your referrals my way? It sounds bad, right? But if I say, if you love them, would you guys mind just sharing them in your Instagram stories, tag the cake mamas, you're happy to do that, right? It's a nice thing to do. So think about, when was the last time you asked somebody to do something and did you give them something to be of service? Yeah. I love That's negotiating. Good. All right. Next uh, one. Number seven, learn how to <laughs> replace bad habits with good ones. This is my favorite. And so you learn how, just see how I, I position that. Learn how to replace bad habits with good ones. You cannot, I'm just telling you right now, it is very difficult, nearly impossible to get rid of a habit without replacing it with something else. And if it's, hey, I eat junk food all the time. You got to replace it with good food all the time, right? Or I, you know, I like to watch TV. You have to replace it. You can't leave a space because your brain is going to want to put something there, yep. right? And so learning how to do that is so important. So a couple of things to do to do that is track, uh, first track your daily norms. Like what do you do every single day that, that are um, subconsciously, you're, you have habits that you don't even realize you have. The next one is, Things like improving your sleep, like uh, sleep is a habit. How do you do that better, right? And so the habits before you go to bed is important. Like we always talk about, uh, uh, I, my wife is really good at this, but I always say, hey, screen time, we got to turn up the screen time, right? And so just know if you have screen time before you go, go to bed, you are ruining your sleep. We're all guilty of it. You are ruining your sleep. The light from your phone just activates your brain and for hours, you think you're sleeping, but your brain is extremely active and you never get to deep rim sleep because of the fact that you have poor habits before you go to bed. Uh, and so a lot of times your, your thoughts, your anxieties are happening because you are loading your brain up with this light and obviously information um, that could be activating your brain. A great habit to replace is read before you go to bed. Read before you go to bed. It settles you down, gets you to a better place, but you have to replace it. Otherwise... It's not going to happen. Eating habits, social habits. Are you cynical? Are you argument, argumentative? Um, do you blame others? Those are habits. How do you replace that? We just talked about negotiating. Uh, find an accountability partner to help you with that. This we is why you have, the, we have each other. And, and don't sugarcoat your bad habits. Uh, play the habit. Let's say play out the habit. So, for example, what I mean by that is if you have a bad habit, let's say you drink too much, you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, you drink too much. It's a bad habit. Don't sugarcoat it. Be frank with it. If I continue, then you have to future pace yourself. Mm -hmm. If I continue to drink like this, what will happen? If I continue to eat like this, what will happen? 
If I continue to be argumentative and cynical with people, what will happen? If I continue to have a pessimistic, um, emotional uh, habit of thought, what will happen? And you got to be honest with yourself. I will be miserable. I will be tired. I will make. I will age myself if I don't get good. Uh, start getting good sleep. And if I age myself, then it's going to hurt my self confidence because I'm not going to look my very best. And if it hurts my self confidence, it's going to hurt my ability to do things that are risky, that take chances, that that require me to say I'm good enough to do something. And you go down this path, and you go. I've got to change this because I don't want that end result. And a lot of times what we don't do is we don't look at the, the habit and we don't look at it if it's continued. We just kind of look at it like, oh, I did it again today. All right, well, I'll change it tomorrow. And you have to future pace and start looking at the future and saying, if this continues, this will be the end result. Yeah. I mean, a big one for those that are struggling with their weight. Like if I continue to eat like this every day for the next 365 days, I'll probably be 365 pounds heavier, right? So that is some, you know, like weight in particular is something that we don't like to talk about. We don't want to body shame. But at the same time, you know, part of personal development and growth and getting you to where you want to go and reaching that success is being really vulnerable and open and honest with yourself in a graceful way. If I continue with these habits, are they serving the person that I want to become? Yeah. And I think... It would be a really good idea for you guys to write down. Um, we do this really great meditation at the retreats that I have, but you can't come to a retreat right now because of social distancing. So we do this great meditation where we're walking you through 20 years from now. If you were to go meet your future self 20 years from now, you knock on a door, where do you live? What kind of lifestyle do you have? What's your house look like? What kind of pictures are on the wall? What kind of life? Who is around you? What are the people there? What are, what's your day-to-day -day look like? Have an interaction with your future 20-year-old or self and see, like sit down, have coffee with them, have tea with them, ask them, what did you do to become successful? Like what were the habits that you needed to break and get some information from them that can help you that you can take into today. It's a powerful exercise and every time we do it, everyone starts crying because it's a really great way for you to reflect on who you're being today. And if that's not where you're trying to go, then you got to quit those habits. Yeah. Right. And then the last thing I'll <laughs> say about habits is for those people that have people that they're responsible for, or they feel like they're responsible for is who will be affected if you didn't change this habit. Yeah. Who would be affected? Like who would miss you if you, you know, you didn't live as long as you possibly could because you didn't take care of yourself or, Bad habits with money. I'm telling right. you, 80 year old Janelle is not happy if I am not managing my money properly because she is not going to be living <laughs> in a very nice house. Like yeah. her expectations are very high maintenance, the 80 year old Janelle. So if I don't manage my money properly, she's not going to be happy if she's not living in a beach house on the beach, yeah. right? So you got to find out like, what is it that I'm trying to create? And am I showing up and being in alignment and incongruence? with the things that I say that I want. And then the last thing is, and you guys know it, is learn how to take care of your body. Four things I really want you guys to look at when it comes to taking care of your body is flexibility. You have to increase blood flow in your body. Blood carries the nutrients and all the things necessary to keep you healthy. And when you increase your blood flow in your body, man does it solve a lot of problems, inflammation, all kinds of things that are important. Um, Second, coordination and balance. Um, I will tell you, coordination 
it is important so that as you get older, you don't fall, right? Being able to have balance and, and knowing that like yoga and things that require you to really use small little muscle groups that keep you balanced is so, so important. Um, and then one of the things that people, you know, don't talk about, but like exercises that require you to go from the floor to standing and back again are so important because of the fact that what do you hear when people get older? I've fallen and I can't get up, get up. Right. And so knowing how to just, just doing exercises that require you to go from the floor to standing, so burpees, things like that, where you lay on your back and you turn around and get up, all those kind of things are, are very, very important to your overall health. Eddie and I have become obsessed, you guys. Like I've been helping a lot of elderly people and we've become obsessed with like their agility, their speed, their flexibility, and their age. So I'll give you an example. My neighbor, he's 80 years old and he goes for walks every single day. Uh, he saw us bike riding, so he said he pulled down his bike. He's been bike riding every morning and every evening. Like, you're 80 years old, and you're on a bike. Like, I feel like that's amazing. Those are yeah. goals, right? He comes over. We were laying in the front yard the other day on a blanket. He comes over. He kneels down with his dog. He sits on the ground, and I'm like, here, Dan. Like, you know, sit. Do you want a chair? He's like, oh, I'm good. And I just was so in admiration of his flexibility and the fact that, you know, he had kneeled down for a really long time. He wasn't complaining about aches and pains. And I was like, I want to be him when I grow yeah, up. Yeah. Right. So think about your future self and ask yourself again, like, am I doing the things to my body that are going to allow me to be playing with my great grandchildren yeah. or running around or biking? Like how I want to teach my grandkids how to ride a bike. Can you imagine? Like that would be amazing. Who taught you how to ride a bike? My 80-year-old great-grandma. Uh, she is winning in life, yeah, right? Yeah. My, gra my grandmother is 90, should be 92 years old this year. She is like goals, you guys. And if I don't live up to her standards, then we have problems. Yeah. So I find you an old person that inspires you to get up and do some stretching every day, to do some yoga, to, you know, lay on the ground, get up, like burpees suck, but maybe burpees are what, what's going to help you live like Dan when you're 80, right? Yeah. So figure out what it is that you think that you want and uh, start being more purposeful and intentional. So we gave you a lot of stuff today. Hopefully you took lots of notes. It was good just to kind of like hear some of these things. We are here to just kind of like show you a menu of options that could help you become better humans. That's it. Yeah, so we so just went over an entire menu. It's got like eight pages on it. There's a lot of shit that you could order. You could not, you could say, I don't like that. That feels good. Oh, I don't like the taste of that, whatever. But we're giving you a menu and all of these things work. It's just a matter of you finding a combination that would work best for you. But you got to be committed to something in pursuit of something to bring it like full circle. What are you practicing and what are you in pursuit of? Uh, and just really quick, three and four are cardio health. And number four is uh, strength. Not, um, not three and four. Yeah. Well, I said there was four things I wanted them to focus on. Oh, for, under for, yeah. this particular category. Cardio health, obviously, your cardiovascular health, and then strength. Hear me. Let me tell you guys. She's building for three and four oh, here. So let's go through uh, them again really quick. One really? is how to know. sell yourself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right uh, number one, how to sell yourself. Number two, learning how to learn. Number three. Learning how money works. Number four, writing effectively. Number five, learn how to meditate. Number six, learn how to negotiate. 
Number seven, learn how to replace bad habits with good ones. And number eight, learn how to take care of your body. Awesome. Uh, and then, yeah, Summer was right. I was uh, cardio and strength, with three and four. Uh, strength people, just before we end the call, building muscle will, will give is the fountain of youth. I see so many people who are just cardio heavy. I love it. That's great. But you have to build muscle. When you build muscle, you speed up your metabolism. You live longer. It's just reality. Like building muscle is so, so important. So make sure that you're uh, doing some type of resistance training in your life because that will save your life. If you are old, old um, over 40, ladies, I recommend this book, Younger Next Year. Um, actually, it's not just, well, this one does say for women. That's why it's pink. But it's all about understanding that most women, they feel like, oh, if I go for a walk or if I do some sort of cardio, I'll be fit. Not true. This is specifically talking about like building resistance, using your muscles, strengthening your joints to keep you active. So like you've seen those Facebook things that people share with the 80-year-old bodybuilder doing pull-ups and stuff like that, right? She's not focusing on cardio. She's focusing on strength training, which is why she's so flexible and strong. So um, was this helpful for you? Lots of, lots of stuff in the menu, right? Hopefully you're not sitting on these calls on Monday and then you get off and you're like, all right, back to normal life. Hopefully you're taking on new things out of the menu saying, I'm going to try to eat this tomorrow. I'm going to try yeah. this from the menu of page eight, right? And we want to hear about them. So um, as women get older, yeah, your body stores more fat. It's terrible. It's not fair. But it's not so much that the body, the body stores more fat, is that you lost more muscle. So here's the thing. Muscle, depending on the person, burns between 40 to some cases 80 calories resting. Meaning if I add a pound of muscle in my body, I burn more calories than ever before. The reason why you store more body fat, it's not just you store more body fat. You just have less muscle when you get older. And because you have less muscle, you're not burning, the, you're, you're not burning as many calories as you used to burn. And so the more muscle you build in your body, the more muscle you put on your, in your legs and your arms all over your, in your back, especially for women in your back, the more muscle you put on, the more calories you burn, the more calories you burn, the healthier you will be. Yep. And so making sure that that's key. So for example, because we've done bodybuilding, and all, we added so much muscle, man, we went a whole year eating like crap. And really didn't change our body because of the fact that we had so much muscle that we had added to our body and but our metabolism what, was firing. When we were bodybuilders, we had the worst flexibility. So after we were bodybuilders, we had to get into yoga and stretching because we had spent so yeah. much time. So there has to be a balance you and you've got to find out what works for you. Um, I feel like this call was very much like, okay, here are the vegetables you got to eat and we hope that you like them, right? But these are important things, yeah. you guys, that I know most of you wish that our parents would have taught us this stuff, right? So here we are, your parents, the Copelands, imparting some wisdom onto you. Take a look at it. Go through your notes. Figure out what you can do to change some of your habits, create some new norms, and uh, let's just continue to grow together. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. 
hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave your handle. And until next time, push through.